This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 92 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Many organizations find themselves faced with the challenge of managing third-party risk, working with business partners, vendors, and suppliers to ensure that they are handling security and managing vulnerabilities at an acceptable level. Traditionally, this has been accomplished through static assessments, snapshots of a security posture at a specific moment in time, done at regular intervals. There are limitations to this approach, since businesses don't operate in static environments and things change in real time. Our guest today is John Oltzik, Senior Principal Analyst and ESG Fellow at the Enterprise Strategy Group. He's author of a recently published study, Third-Party Risk, Why Real-Time Intelligence Matters. Stay with us. Well, I've been in the technology industry for over 30 years. I've been in cybersecurity for the last 16 of those years. I started this cybersecurity practice at ESG in 2003, and now I oversee uh, cybersecurity practice with some colleagues. And what is the uh, the range of uh, services that ESG provides? Um, we do technical analysis of products. We do market research. Uh, we're very close to the end-user cybersecurity professional community. And then we work with uh, cybersecurity vendors to kind of help them understand the intersection of technology and user requirements. So let's dig in uh, to the report here. Can you uh, just start off with an overview for us? Well, we've recently completed some research on cyber risk management at enterprise organizations. And um, coincidentally, Recorded Future was making an announcement in that direction. So we got together. So let's start off with some definitions here. What are we talking about when we say third-party risk? Third-party risk is related to risks associated with third parties that you do business with. So it could be partners, it could be suppliers, it could be customers, contractors. But typically, you've given those entities access to your network, or you may have access to their network. And so as a, as a function of that, your risk is associated with their risk. So you have to coordinate and understand what risks they uh, face and what controls they've put in place. And then you need to monitor those risks in case things change so that you can make the appropriate risk mitigation strategies. And how have organizations typically gone about that? In the past, it was very static. It was uh, really based on things like um, point-in-time assessments or questionnaires that people filled out. And so that gave me uh, a good baseline of knowledge. So I understood sort of where you were at a point in time, but things change rapidly in cybersecurity. Um, threats change, vulnerabilities change, etc. And so therefore, if I know how you're doing on the 1st of January, I don't know how you're doing on the 31st of January or, the, or after that. And so that's sort of been a problem in third-party risk management. And how much of uh, managing third-party risk has been related to compliance? Some of it's related to compliance. It really depends on the um, the nature of the relationship. Um, clearly, I want to understand if you if you especially for sharing sensitive data and uh, regulated data, I want to understand your 
what you're doing for compliance, what your audits tell, tell you, um, if there are any gaps that you've addressed those gaps. So clearly that's a part of it. But it's also really um, beyond that. So for instance, uh, I just may provide your company with access to mine. So there's really no compliance uh, relationship involved there. But because you have access to my network, I want to know um, how you're managing your users and how they're authenticated into the network and what you're doing to protect the assets on your network. So uh, it's, it's sometimes compliance, it's sometimes beyond. Now, uh, one of the things that the report points out is uh, what you describe as the third-party risk management gap and um, how this has become a boardroom issue. It has. So in general, cyber risk management has become a boardroom issue uh, because directors and executives recognize the potential damages involved. Uh, But when they look at third-party risk management, it's often done haphazardly. It's often done with point-in-time assessments. They want real-time metrics. They want to be able to make real-time risk mitigation decisions, and they don't have the either the metrics, the data, or the processes in place to, uh, to do so. And so when we're talking about this gap, what do we mean there? Well, the gap is really fundamental in that uh, cybersecurity professionals have approached risk management really from a technical perspective and with third-party risk management, uh, like I mentioned, from a point-in-time perspective. So I send, like I said, I send you a questionnaire, you fill it out, that gives me some baseline of your uh, risk management um, position, what you're doing to mitigate risk, and so on. But it doesn't give me anything beyond that. Now, business people want to manage cyber risk the way they manage business risk, which means measuring risk, adjusting to changes in risk, and making decisions on how to mitigate risk. Well, they can't do that very well if there are third parties that I never assess. If the third parties that I assess are done, uh, the assessments are done differently uh, based on the different third parties, or if we're collecting point-in-time data and we don't have anything uh, up-to-date. So, for instance, if one of those third parties is breached, uh, all we know is that they were breached. We don't have any records of what happened between the time we assess them and when they were breached. Hmm. And in terms of, of funding, of, uh, of people's uh, ability to, um, to pay for keeping an eye on this, where do organizations stand there? Those initiatives are fairly well funded, and actually the funding is increasing for cyber risk management, really because um, executives are realizing that they're not prepared, they're not getting the information, the timely information that they need to make decisions. So the money is there. Now, I should say, though, that the executives do want to measure ROI on their cybersecurity spending. And Mm. historically, cybersecurity professionals haven't done a good job there. So if I'm the CFO, I want to know if I give you a million dollars, Mr. CISO or (laughs) Ms. CISO, uh, what am I getting for my investment and uh, what am I sacrificing if you ask for one and a half million? And those questions have been really, really hard to answer. Now, the report uh, contrasts this notion of uh, these static assessments versus uh, real-time assessments. Can you compare it for us? What's the difference there? Well, the static assessments are point-in-time assessments. And uh, again, those, those are good for baseline. There are lots of different ways people do that. Uh, a real-time assessment is measuring risk as it changes over time. So 
based on new types of attacks by cyber adversaries, based on new vulnerabilities that arise, either software vulnerabilities, configuration vulnerabilities. Um, they could be personnel-related. So um, is there an insider, a nefarious insider doing something? Uh, so there are ways to measure risk and and certainly, I'm doing that if uh, if I'm I'm looking at my network activity, my endpoint activity, my user activity. I'm doing that. I'm assessing risk all the time. Um, now we want to extend those kinds of uh, that kind of data collection, processing, and analysis to third parties. And what Recorded Future is providing are exactly those types of metrics. And how does this change things in terms of the types of alerts that you would get? If things change, so if a if a risk changes, if a uh, so for instance, if all of a sudden uh, there's a credentials dump on the dark web, so uh, someone starts advertising that they have thousands of credentials, legitimate credentials for sale from your organization, a recorded future would see that and they would alert someone uh, that one of your third party partners has been breached or apparently breached and there's chatter on the dark web. Well, that gives you the opportunity to then assess the risk to you uh, and work with your third party partner to mitigate that risk. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me. It seems as though as you, if you sort of, a, in my mind, I'm imagining the concentric circles out from my organization to my my third party providers and then their providers as well. It seems right. to me like the, the farther you get out on those circles, you might not even have a, a good notion of where to look or what questions to ask. And that's therein lies the problem. We want visibility into those relationships. Um, certainly there are limitations to what we can do. But for starters, if I have 400 key partners, I'd like visibility into what the risks are in those 400 key partners all the time. Um, because as the security saying goes, the security chain is only as strong as the weakest link. Well, if the weakest link is my partners, it doesn't really matter how strong my security is if I've got an open door because of those partners. And in terms of monitoring this and managing this, how how does how should I go about that? In other words, how do I keep it from being a, a fire hose of information? Well, you can filter on the types of information you want to get. So like we talked about you want dark web chatter. You want to know about breaches. You want to. You may want to know about particular software vulnerabilities that would impact some of your partners. Um, so you can filter on what you want to look at. You can uh, adjust the types of alerts and the um, the alerts based on risk scores. So, for instance, something with a risk score of a ninety or more on a hundred uh, hundred risk score scale. You may want to be alerted on immediately, You want, but maybe something lower you can threshold to send a note to maybe the risk management team or some of the security team, um, but not necessarily any kind of alert. So there are ways to filter this, and there are ways um, as you gather this information, you do get smarter on what's a real risk and what's maybe just noise in the system. What are your recommendations for folks who are looking to explore this, who, who want to get started? Maybe maybe they have a, a tradition of doing static risk assessments and they want to dip their toes into this. How do they prepare themselves? How do they do that research and, and know what questions to ask to make sure that they're going to be aligned uh, with a, a supplier who's going to provide what they need? 
Well, in the case of recorded future, um, what you'll see uh, with regard to third-party risk is very familiar. It's the same type of carding metaphor that you use in recorded future. So you can set up these cards uh, in recorded future. They'll give you very specific information about threats. Now you can have the same visual image for third parties. Um, beyond recorded future, I'd say it's important to assess um, some of the real-time risk management scoring systems that are out there. Um, generally, these requests are coming from the executives, not necessarily from the cybersecurity staff. So the cybersecurity staff can do themselves a favor by um, being able to service the requests of the executives. And so there may be a proactive advantage to going and looking at some of the data that can be provided and understanding how that fits with the metrics uh, and the demands of the executive team. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting insight, the importance of that, uh, I guess you could call it a translation layer between the, the folks on the technical side of the house and the folks in the boardroom. Yes, and I, and I would say that's a work in progress. Um, clearly, the boardroom is more engaged than they were in the past. But, I mean, the, the language barrier... Uh, the metrics barrier, the communications between the two, the the understanding of what what each other, what each group needs, and and what they can comprehend, um, we're just beginning to figure that out. But these kinds of real time scoring systems are a good way to bridge that gap. And in terms of measuring success, I mean, how, how do you know if you're implementing a system like this? How do you know you're getting out of it what you hope to? Well, hopefully, you're seeing uh, less malicious activity on your network, and you're able to uh, really decrease the attack surface so that those things that come in are blatantly obvious and they're easy to uh, detect and remediate. So that's one thing. Um, but then there are other things like um, being able to quantify some of the risk. There are good methodologies out there like the FAIR system uh, where you can quantify risk. Uh, you want to be able to adjust your prioritization of mitigation strategies so that you're not in firefighting mode all the time, that you have a, a, a sound methodology for mitigating risk. So there are certainly ways to do this, but I'd say the, the end result will be uh, less frequent attacks and much uh, stronger mean time to detect and mean time to uh, respond to problems. So having gone through the process of uh, creating this report, what were the major take-homes for you? What are, what are the, the big lessons that you learned here? Well, th there is a, an existing cyber risk management gap, and part of that cyber risk management gap is the fact that uh, many organizations just haven't dedicated the right resources. So, for instance, 44% um, of those that we surveyed said that there are Available resources were either completely insufficient or insufficient for third-party uh, security audit processes. We know that there's a cybersecurity skills gap. Um, it, it's hard enough when you're doing kind of core cybersecurity activities, um, but it's more pervasive when, when you get a little bit further out and you're doing things like third-party risk management. So the processes are immature. Um, a lot of the uh, assessments are stagnant point-in-time assessments, and we don't have the resources to change that. Therefore, recruiting third parties to help seems like a pretty sound idea. I'd say the benefit of what Recorded Future brings is that they have threat analysts looking at their screens, 
Um, they're comfortable with them. They've been trained on how to use them. They're learning more every day about how to get value out of them. And so now you have third-party risk as another input there. So hopefully that means that uh, threat analysts can now internalize that data as well and make intelligent decisions based on that data. Our thanks to John Oltsik from ESG for joining us. You can find his report, Third-Party Risk, Why Real-Time Intelligence Matters, on the Recorded Future website. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast team includes coordinating producer Amanda McKeown, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by Pratt Street Media with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.